0: Much awaited mineral resource estimate is out. The headline number is 109.2 million tonnes at 1.42% lithium.
1: Got some cross sections. Oh yeah, good either. The reason I pushed back on doing a, a, a PR comp on an EV per lithium equivalent resource ton on this one is because let's take a look at the peer group. So I just think this is a bizarre peer group to choose, especially to show um, you know, an EV per recess, resource comp.
2: I mean, some of them are producing this year,
1: yeah. you know? When you look at the brokers out there covering it, there's an assumption that they're making, which is most in doubt in, in terms of actually, and, and is a big value driver here, and that's time to Production. This kind of thought process really evolved when we, we listened to Chris Allison's analyst call.
3: Deposits outside of Australia, you're sort of somewhere from eight to 12 years before you can get them permitted and get them online in Australia. G'day,
1: you know, money,
0: one. It's Monday, 31st of July, last day of quarterly reporting. And you know
1: what tomorrow means, boys. Name and shame. Name and shame. I'm looking forward to that oh, one. I love it. There's been a few announcements roll onto the ASX already, Maddie. 850 I counted, uh, and we still there's still a bunch of names. We're waiting for their cordless <laughs> to come through. Not naming any. Sayona, oh, no, I'm waiting. <laughs> 100%
0: naming some. AVZ's got through, eh? A early. We'll have to interrogate that one. It's just coming out. Good on you. Yes. Right, big one today. The headline uh, is Patriots Mineral Resources finally out. We're going to get right into that from the start, boys. Bit else on the calendar. Silver Lake down nearly 20% after their quarterly.
2: Yeah, off over 20% to start. Emerald came out with a neat little transaction late last week and quarterly today. What else have we got? We'll touch on Strandline.
0: You've gone deep into Strandline, you Are you trying to get I –
2: I don't know what happened to me. (laughs) (laughs)
0: let trap out enough of mineral sands.
2: I thought I'd get up the curve on what's going on out there. And there was – what else have we got? The Saudis, mate. Saudis Not buying... Not oil, buying, but money mining. Yep. A stake in Vale's base metals uh, unit, a subsidiary,
0: which I find super fascinating. We'll touch on that one. Anything else, guys? Uh, that's about it. Diggers next week, Here eh? We are excited. Should we give away our calendar of where we're going to be for the money miners if they want to catch up?
1: I think we should, mate. We absolutely yeah. should.
0: Well, we've got Sunday night the... Uh, Got the Top, top drill. drill Sundowner RFDS uh, charity event. Uh, so pretty big event. Uh, so get a, get along to that. Getting, con- I don't know if it's free invite or hit hit <laughs> them up. But it's a there's a it's a good good fundraiser. I think they're looking to raise about 150 grand for RFDS and stuff. So good yeah, work, uh, good work, Top Drill. Um, oh geez, I'm playing golf Monday morning. Sure, partners, <laughs> boys, I'll sort that out for uh, can, you. Night. Can dinner Monday night?
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah. That's exciting, mate. I think that's a big event, that one. Mm. That'll be very fun.
0: And then you boys are parking up shop and I'll be at- attending when I'm not socializing. <laughs> where, where, where's the location, Trav? Uh, so You've done a great job sorting this out.
1: Thanks, mate. Being from Kalgoorlie uh, helps sometimes, very rarely, but sometimes. Um, we will be set up during sort of business hours of diggers inside D'Banali's Hotel there, which is uh, one of the one pubs slash restaurants slash cafes on the main street, Hannan Street <laughs> there. So for the people who are, um, you know, leaving the event and going to go get themselves a coffee during the day or a beer, you know, we'll be set up with the recording equipment, come grab a beer with us or a coffee, and um, we'll, we'll be filming content throughout sort of business hours. So come along and have a chat. Um, we'd love to hang out. And then outside of those commitments, if you've got um, – events to invite us to. We'd love to come to them as well.
0: Very good. Can't bloody wait. What is it? D-Banali's. Is that how you it? d
1: yeah, d it goes by. Debo's, Debo's
0: yeah. is going to be the money of mine HQ for diggers. Mostly Trav and JD will probably most likely yeah, be there. Who
1: knows where I'll be. But big thanks to Luciano who uh, uh, runs and knows d in Kalgoorlie. Good stuff.
0: Friday, right, eh? Let's get yeah. into boys. boys. Uh, this episode's uh, locked. Thank our friends at Terra Capital. Langers and Bondi, great partners of the show. Uh, we're due to get them on for another one, I reckon soon. So appreciate your support, Tara. Boys, let's get into it. Patriot, they're finally here. God, haven't we? Uh, we that was sort of of money of mine that.
1: Yeah, I think <laughs> it, was a it was second, second it was, week, wasn't it? We talked about it.
0: Yeah, well, probably a yeah a lot a lot of traction since then. <laughs> Good learning curve for us probably. But the info the much awaited mineral resource estimate is out. The headline number is one hundred and nine point two million tons at one point four two percent lithium out of zero point four percent lithium cutoff. So. It's finally out. They were they're sitting at around down four and a half percent. They were I think they were down as far as seven percent. So, bit of action uh, did did have a bit of uptick on Friday. Uh, I think it was up up twelve odd percent. Yeah. yeah. So it's come back down a bit. Uh, we're going to get we're going to get right into it. So and there's a lot of definitely a lot of commentary on Twitter and everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh,
1: you had a look at how it sort of stacked up versus um, some of the West Australian.
0: Yeah. Well could go over lock size and cut off grade and everything but look Kathleen Valley There, main one at the end was 156 million ton at 1.4 percent yeah not their the maiden for that one no nah, not yeah. their maiden um and that was at half 0.55 percent cut off Pilgangora they ended up getting 309 million ton at 1.14 Wajina 236 Million tonne at 1.19. So, good grade. It's up at that uh, just surpassed Kathleen Valley's grade for the cutoff grade they use. If they drop the cutoff grade, the main grade goes down and the tonnes go up. Um, so, yeah, that's what it's that's where it's sitting. So, look, mm. good result on paper. But, look, it's, it is down a bit and we're going to delve into why we think why, why the commentary thinks why it may have gone down. Yeah. And, uh, look, this is exciting. Oh, we've been waiting for it. How good is it? Oh.
1: It's very exciting, Matty. Very, very exciting. And there's a few things to talk about on this one. First one is we've got some cross sections. Oh yeah, good are they? Love it. I know. And I'm I'm keen to talk about them, but I'll um, I'll save it for the for the mining guys and the geos because um they're the real cartoon lovers, Matty. There was a
0: I'm sure you're going to show the tweet later. Someone said, "Uh, well, was it here? Oh, some cross sections for you to
1: no hold it." Hold... Oh, geez, it's oh, can't I can't. I'm too excited to talk about oh. it. I'm excited too. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll save it. We'll save it. Uh, so, like, how, how does it stack? I'm keen to know how did the resource stack up versus the expectations in the market. So, up on the screen for the um, for the YouTubers out there, we've got the table that was included in the short thesis report, which showed what all of the um, the brokers and analysts were were expecting. And you know, in general, you can see um, it, it it it's underperformed on tonnage, but it's outperformed expectations on 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 grade. It's a little bit strange because I think that you know you' probably on net beat the expectations of the analysts, but the stock is down. So we're kind of curious to dig into why that might be. Um, and I think I think when you zoom out of the resource, which you're going to go into in a bit more depth, Maddie, I think we can find ourselves getting really locked into the resource assumptions as the driver of value. but I actually think it's a different assumption the brokers are all making which is the highest risk to potentially disappoint on the value that they're getting. Um,
0: so by that, by that, I'm assuming you mean, Trav, it was at that point where the either the mineral re- – and we've talked about this on previous episodes – either the mineral resource was going to confirm or potentially disappoint because it had such a high valuation and such a high attention to it. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of where, where you, what your take of it is yeah, in this process?
1: I think. I think um, – it was going to be hard to surprise to the upside in a in a big yeah. way because um, like yeah like the, the brokers were optimistic and um, and the the market had the data to. You know, there was there were a lot of people out there looking at this, right? So, it would been- did
0: it did it surprise you? Where did it sit for you guys? We've got the broker reports, I guess, where we'll get our predictions from. What did you guys think of the resource estimate when you first saw uh, it? First thoughts of the number?
1: H- higher grade—that's the first yeah. thing I saw. Yeah, yeah.
0: and because what about you, J-D? Yeah, I think to to what Trav just said, higher grade
2: than perhaps slightly anticipated and slightly lower tonnage.
0: Because a lot of the commentary in the tables up there, a lot of it was around the low one that. Like Canaccord and that were predicting. I think they were predicting about one point one. And look, technically, that is still there. They've just used a bit higher cutoff grade to get it to that one point four two. Yeah, for, and for then the, the number they've reported. The
2: other thing that stands out straight away is that it's all in, inferred, which you know it's not mm. the most unusual for a maiden resource, but just another aspect that stood out straight away. Yeah, mm. we'll
1: go and we'll go into that a bit yep. a bit later. So and before you pull apart the um, those the mining stuff, Maddie, because you're the best person to talk about that. I'm, I'm the keen- only person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could try, but we won't sound smart. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm keen to kind of talk about like when you look at the brokers out there covering it, I think I think there's an assumption that they're making, which is, um, is, is the one that I think is the most in doubt in, in terms of actually, and, and, and is a big value driver here, and that's time to Production, right? So, if you look at the broker reports out there, the ones that I could get access to today, let's talk about the assumptions that they have for first production. Canaccord twenty thirty, Macquarie twenty twenty eight, Euros twenty twenty nine, Desjardins twenty twenty nine, and the reason I want to point to 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 the date of first production as a as a um, as a big driver of value here is. Um, it's just because, like, think of a, the discount rate dynamic in a, in a high interest rate environment, the, opportun- or the, the time value of money that comes if things are delayed by um, a material number of years. And this, this kind of thought process really evolved when we, we listened to Chris Allison's analyst call for Min um, Resources uh, he's, just he's, a few he's, days
0: ago. He knows what he's talking about. I could nearly yeah. weight his opinion as a pretty good one, Mr. Ellison. <laughs> talk about a bloke that's been there and done it. Yeah. A guy, I listened to the whole thing on the weekend. It was ripping. Yeah. Awesome. Like, started with 10 and a bit grand himself yeah. and built Minres. Like, it is his own cash, heart, and soul that's been put into this business. Yeah. So, when he says something, you do listen.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and, like, you, t- you talk about a a mining leader that you that – like, who has better alignment, you know, just from a – um Uh, to to, to invest alongside kind of dynamic. So, yeah, I think think you absolutely listen when he talks. I'm keen to just play a snippet when he's talking about the timelines it takes to to develop new lithium mines. So let's have a listen to that now.
3: You don't just find a deposit and turn it on. If if you're finding deposits outside of Australia, you're sort of somewhere from 8 to 12 years before you can get them permitted and get them online in Australia, you know, three to four years to get them permitted. Um, Then when you go build the supply chain out, there's probably another three or four years. So bringing lithium into the market is expensive. Uh, um, It's a long long time. Uh, All of the approvals that are required from the TLOs, from the mines department, are getting harder and harder because um, it appears that half the people have disappeared off the planet. So it's just taking longer.
0: Very interesting. Very interesting. So... Overall, it's accelerated a lot more in Australia, but outside of Australia's claim claiming
1: potentially eight to twelve years. Eight to twelve years. So let's let's take that as as one data point, eight to twelve years, right? In PMET's well, that's from Discovery. So in PMET's case, the Discovery Hall was December 2021. Eight to twelve years um, you know, for a permit to get online puts that at between 2030 and 2034. Let's take a look at the – just take the low end of the broker estimates, the, lo- the lowest one in that range, and they're all pretty close, but the lowest estimate is 2028. 20, so there's a big difference between 2028 20, and 2034, which is the high end of um, you know, Chris Allison's implied range. Uh, for example, right, if you, if you just run an NPV at a, at a 10% discount rate, the difference between being in production in 11 years' time versus in 5 years' time, which is – the implied um, time to production from those two dates, it's nearly it's nearly uh, you know twice the difference to your NPV. Mm, but wow. that, that's a big risk and it matters a lot, right?
0: Well, then I, mean, I guess in if we want to narrow it down to today's announcement, this is the maiden mineral resource estimate. So we'll fa- fast forward a bit from initial discovery. So look, Line Line Town their maiden mineral resource was out in September 2018, and their they're scheduled to start production starter next year. So look, that puts them at five and a half years from maiden mineral resource to first production. Uh, Pilgangora, their maiden mineral resource came in in August 2011. So I think that was by Altura. Then that was before Pilbara were the were the owner of the asset. So their first production was June 2018. So that was six and a half years. Made a mineral resource to first production. That was in a bit of a different lithium market to probably what Town's in. towns really in the flavoured thematic at the moment. So mm. look, that's yeah, that's a, that's an indication of Australia. So even three, three to four years that uh, Mr. Ellison said is probably that's everything going pretty bloody good. And he had some comments on supply. Sort of lagging demand
2: as
1: well didn't he? he he did I think it was immediately after that statement he mentioned that um, for the next five to seven years he was expecting um, the supply to lag demand I'm not sure if the inference from that comment is that you know potentially after seven years um, is there a risk that supply exceeds demand so you know what what like my question is what's a reasonable long term lithium price assumption to use Beyond seven years from now.
2: Yeah. And I think his context was um, specifically having a got the Goldman Sachs forecasts for the commodity price over the the near to medium term, saying, you know, there is a clear supply lag and him sort of by sort of inference saying that the the free cash flow and everything was going to be higher in the medium term for mineral resources.
0: Right. So how we gonna how are we gonna compare this to Peer to peer comparisons, like God, you can use anything to uh, favour your argument or agreement, whatever. Yeah. No, we did talk about the EV, but Trav, you're going to go in. They even put a table up of talking about EV
1: to to resource. But I mean, can- fe- yeah, first up, you need to find suitable peers, don't you, to do yeah. A yeah. peer comparison. And and you said this to me this morning, Maddie. You're like, all right, so we, we're we're modelling it on EV reverse. What are we comparing it to? And I said. Um, like it's, we shouldn't. There's no like. It just doesn't make sense. There's a few reasons why, and I kind of push back a bit on that one. And um, and you're keen to get out the spreadsheet. I know I could see it, mate. You wanted to you wanted to get up some charts, but the reason I push back on doing a a, a peer comp on an EV per lithium equivalent resource ton on this one is because let's take a look at the peer group. So Patriot put out in their investor presentation on page 29 today. They actually include a chart. On the chart. The Y axis just is, is market cap, so don't let that um, inform what you think the EV per resource ton comp is, because that's actually the highlighted row I've got here: EV per resource ton. Now let's look at the companies that they are grouping together um, as as developers, hard rock developers. They use with an asterisk. I just think this is a bizarre peer group to choose, especially to show um, you know an EV per recess resource comp. So uh, there's a, there's a lot wrong with the chart, right, including. Um, You know, the inclusion of AVZ as its um, last traded price before it was um, put in a bloody suspension like 12 months ago. Let's put that aside, though. Just Um, make that one zero. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) That's possibly where it's going. Oh, who knows? (laughs) Um, That aside, the, the issue I have with comparing EV per resource for developers is something I learned in my first month of resources banking. You can't comp an unfunded EV versus a funded EV and think there's any useful information in that analysis. Imagine a developer, right, that is very close to production. So the plant is built, mining's commenced, they are what we call fully funded, meaning that they had to raise funds to build the mine and they sunk that into CapEx. Raising those funds happened via debt and equity. Both of those mechanisms, i.e. raising debt or um, equity, increased the EV, so the EV goes up, right? Now think about a developer that's much more early stage. Their EV today does not capture any of the capex that needs to be spent in order to get into production. They are simply drilling out the resource. So to compare the two companies in any semi-scientific way, you need to add the expected unfunded capex to the EV of the earlier stage one.
0: Long and the short, you can't you can't compare Liontown and Patriot because Liontown is just about to produce, and they've sunk the capex and got permits and and everything. So if you're if you're going to compare Patriot to anyone, it'd be someone like a an Azure or a Latin, probably Latin Resources might be a good one. They've just put yeah. out fifty million ton. Yeah,
2: Linetown's not the only one there that is you know on the brink of production.
0: Yeah,
1: so yeah. It's, they're and in, it's
2: they're in vastly different you know stages of their life.
1: Totally. And yeah. the other the other big issue, um, as opposed to the fact that it's just a matter of you needing you needing to add on the unfunded capex that is to come the other issue there right um is just comes from the time value of money if the timeline to production is far apart between the two companies the multiple is silly too because like if you just if you just read um like it just it just makes no sense so um they're, too, they're just not comparable things if one's 10 years from production and the other one's um you know producing around the corner so Let's take a look at the companies on this chart. And if you just look at the numbers on face value, the ones that are highlighted there, PMET's cheap, only um, 0.3k uh, EV per LCE tonne versus peers with high multiples. There's upside, right? I mean, some of them are
2: producing this
1: year. Yeah. You know. yeah. So, let's,
2: Sigma, for one.
1: Let's look, at, let's look at those peers, right? Liontown, first production expected mid-2024, claimed to be fully funded. Sigma producing 130,000 tonnes this year. AVZ, let's just get it off the list, come on. Piedmont, they're going to be producing. Producing 56,000 tonnes this year and, and, and they're going to be more of a chemicals business anyway, get it off the list. Sayona, supposedly producing 170,000 tonnes this year and fully, fully funded core producing concentrate already guiding towards 95,000 tonnes next financial year. Like these are, these are not like for like peers. They're funded, the capex and infrastructure is either sunk or committed. They are producing now or next year. So my message is pretty simple. Like, let's be sensible when forming an argument based on relative valuation. You, like, use comparable peers. I, I get it's a small universe, but come on.
0: Trav, you've also been tagged in you, <laughs> you're the associated Twitter handle with uh, PMET, it appears. You're getting tagged by everyone this morning. <laughs> Uh, which is good for good for info as well because everyone starts sending through stuff. Uh, <laughs> would you like to go through a bit? Would you like to share your little Twitter feed with everyone?
1: Yeah, it's some funny stuff out there I got tagged in. Uh, Maverick says, nice tonnage grade but looks like a terrible strip ratio due to the steeply dipping pegmatites and higher grades deep in pit. No wonder they refuse to show cross-sections. Uh, Chucky says, looks like a very expensive option on lithium a decade or so down the track. Um, buy low sell higher says yep it was the helicopter photo making investors sell uh, and I, I also saw um, one more One more. this is the counter argument I think to, to what you're going to put forward Maddie. Uh, YYC says looks pretty good to me not high strip at all in the Nova zone you can support much higher average strip if a blob 100 metres thick at surface can't be mined cheaply then nothing can trolls running out of things to whinge about now they um, even release cross sections
0: <laughs> and the other one There's a good one.
1: Oh, yeah! We can't is, leave this. This one is out. a great one. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, we got we got actual money of mine. The PMT MRE is out, and there are some cross sections for you to have a wank at. <laughs>
0: Oh, I can probably put my bottom dollar on it that Travis is not going to masturbate over these cross sections. Fan, fan of the pod. <laughs> Good stuff, boys. Uh, right, let's get into. And you would have seen in that tweet before the and it's the, the thing about the mineral resource. There is the de, that depicted high grade Nova zone uh, where you know the the juicy stuff is the honey pot. It's because uh, this this mineral resource it's it's been reported as like one whole resource over a big long strike uh, but there is a look there, there is some cro- cross sections of the pegmatite ore body not saying which is, all of that pegmatite is mineralized but there is two cross sections that actually show the grade distribution so and that was one of where one of those sort of tweets went into so look I'll go over that I guess what info I guess I'd be looking for in the in future updates and where this is heading from where it is today. So, J.D., you want to add anything before I get stuck in? Go for it, mate. Go for it. Dig in. So, look, as you mentioned, J.D., the resource is 100% inferred at this stage. And as you said, it's not uncommon for the main mineral resource to be fully inferred. And for those,
2: for those wondering, that just means it's with less geological confidence than a indicated or a measured resource.
0: Yeah. And they, they said they most... Uh, drill hole collar spacings along the exploration strike is are at 100 meters apart some areas they are at 50 so if you're in that 50 to 100 meters it's it is inferred to get inferred is about 40 to 50 so even hundreds a bit but yeah, this it, is a bulk deposit as yeah, well it depends it's not, on the deposit yeah, type. it's not like a nuggety gold deposit so it does vary on commodity to commodity and the ore body style what is deemed to com- Uh, inferred and indicated so but that's yeah that's definitely definitely an inferred spacing so they've got they they do announce that they've got 30,000 meters of drilling planned coming up and to infill like to infill this CV5 Um, so that's you would anticipate that is going to put some of that inferred material into the indicated category which is the highest higher confidence level so and that's that's what you need. You need it for the confidence. So, look, the mes- the recent uh, mineral resource upgrade that Latin Resources put out, so that was 45 million tonne at 1.32%. 66% of that was in the indicated measured and indicated category. So, that's, that's a higher confidence ore body. This is their only first one. So, as... Because this is an NI forty three resource, so that's the Canadian Jork Jork version. Not not one hundred percent sure because I know the the CP, the competent person is Jork. Like this was released under a Jork um, under the Jork compliance for the ASX listing rules. They put the table in, but I'm not one hundred percent sure if it's a Jork compliant resource. They call, anyway. it, they
1: call it compliant with twenty twelve. Yeah,
0: so. Um, as part of that NI43 process, which is not a JORC requirement, uh, the NI43 they have to submit a technical report within 45 days of releasing this resource. So that technical report goes gets released to what is it Cedar? Yeah, Cedar. So that that would give a lot more detail than what's in the announcement. The the info I got from my geology friends that NI43 NI is a lot more of a prescriptive process. There's a lot more information that has to go in, but it's not as detailed and in the weeds as a JORK resource. So they're, they're sort of the differences. The ma- That was the main difference between them. And NI43 competent persons, uh, they're called qualified persons. They have to jump through a lot more hoops to get registered to be a QP, whereas not as many as a JORK. So it's a bit more r- rigorous paperwork process, very much more prescriptive to get an NI43. So looking at the the grade distribution these were the two cross sections they put up and the i guess the key one to look at is the one that's in this high grade uh nova zone so you can see see it here so the the high this high grade nova zone looks to be about based on the scale about 150 meters below the surface and that's what one of those tweets was referring to one was saying highest trip ratio the other was saying look there's uh or at the top there it's if you can't mind that and not make money it's not it's not worth it so there's it's just I guess something to consider when you when when you take the first look at that you've you've got to wait a long time to get to that high grade or so it sort yeah.
2: of bodes in with what Trav was saying earlier right there's you know that pile of cash is a bit deeper in the ground which means it's a bit further yep. away time-wise which just sort of you know you chuck in the model and see the cash flows are weighted a bit more to the back end as opposed to the the front end. And
0: it's one of those things, whenever you see a vertically dipping or close to vertical dipping ore bodies, we've seen it with um, essential, we've seen it with global lithium. They do have very high strip ratios. And then you also see when the high grade or the honey pot is at the lower end of the pit, it's a back end weighted um, mining schedule.
2: I mean you see the Maddie, you just think oh, underground yeah, mining.
0: Underground mining, oh god, we'll get into that while well, that mightn't be a good idea. So yeah, if I they they quote a six to one stripping ratio in the announcement, so there's six to one waste to mineral resource in it. What they've what they've quoted, but if you look at the the resource they've put out, this one point four two percent. But then you look at where that high grade area is, so that's two to three percent above. So there, I'll be I'll be looking for more info from either this technical report or follow up documents to say right where. How much of this high-grade Nova Zone is contained at that one hundred and fifty meters below? How much of the resource is there? So, rule of, rule of thumb that I've got some, off some open pit people. So, say that's one hundred and fifty meters. If you're doing an open pit, you can, from a scheduling point of view, you can events sink a pit at about eight benches per year. Just to like, there's plus or minus varies, but it's a good sort of thumb suck. And a bench can be uh, ten meters high. So that's what, so the super pit has 10 metre benches. Wadjana a few years ago, to my knowledge, had 10 metre benches. If you go bigger... And a
2: bench for those wondering is those sort of layers you see and yeah, imagine you've got an open pit. Those various yeah. layers are called benches. Yeah,
0: so 45 degree pit angle and they come in at bloody like a little staircase is the best way to explain it. So yeah. lo- looking at that, look, you can get massive gear to do it and get down quicker, do bigger benches, but massive gear, more capital um, and not as... Uh, you can't be as surgical when you're mining thinner loads but this is a bigger load so it should be you, you could use bigger gear so look as I said thumb suck eight benches at 10 meter benches it might take you up to two years to actually get down to that 150 meter high grade zone as you said Trav there could be it we could work on potentially 10 years or something just to actually get to production then and to actually get mining then you you delay that high grade zone for another couple of years, where the actual honey pot of the cash flow comes in. So
1: yeah, it's not to say they you know can't have it humming a lot earlier than that. It's just mm. um, it's just to highlight the the risks in in permitting dragging things out longer than than um maybe people have in their base case, and just wondering does a you know two, two and a half billion dollar fully diluted market cap sort of support um. Does it support the optimistic case, or or does it mm. you know, and is it is it durable when you, when you plug in a, a a more prolonged base case?
0: Yeah, and I'll just yeah look look forward to a bit more grade distribution to see where all this is sitting. There is the option to go underground um, to access that stuff quicker, but let's look at the success of Northern Star Evolution Silver Lake. Silver Lake have just put Sugar Zone into care and maintenance today, which we'll go into later. They're Australian underground mining specialists, and they haven't. Being able to make it uh, a smooth process over there, so yeah, underground going underground is not a quick fix. So it
1: wouldn't just be underground, Matty, be underwater.
0: <laughs> yeah, te- technical. Oh, good. Imagine bloody ice coming through the rock and getting <laughs> you. So I'll be interested to see what what's contained in this technical report that gets submitted to Cedar. If there's like more detailed cross sections of where this actual grade's sitting, because um, looking at pegmatite interps uh, aren't the yeah, aren't the, you need to know where the grade is. So. There we go. Very good. Go Patriot. we hit a couple other quarterlies? Mmm, Emerald. They're like another little elusive child of the mining industry, aren't they? Definitely a very rich child. Golden child. Yeah, quiet
2: quiet performers, I think. So they came out with a quarterly and they actually um, announced the purchase of Bullseye late last week. So Bullseye is a public unlisted company, something we're somewhat familiar with. Now, so they've got the North Laverton project and it's been predominantly Chinese-owned for a while. But coming into this, Emerald did own 60%, so they tried to actually take it over a couple of years back. So the acquisition is an all-script deal. And, I mean, the, the big kicker here is Emerald, which have done such a good job developing and ramping up and now producing from their Cambodian asset, they're now going to have an asset in Western Australia.
1: A full they'll – have, they'll have the full – Full control of it, right? Yeah, so, they have yeah, full control. Had, had sixty so, percent, and now now they've got one hundred percent.
2: So I think that that's pretty huge. And again, it just sort of flies under the radar because Emerald, in general, fly under the radar. They're not they're not flashy promoters. And as well as that, the the company they're acquiring hasn't been publicly listed. So really interested to see where this sort of progresses from here. It's kind of hard to find out information on on the acquisition, but going off a 2015 resource that came out for that North Laverton project, things were graded in about 2.5 grams per tonne, and they're about halfway through a 98-kilometre resource definition drill program, so I'm quite excited to see a bit more info come out and see how that um, that bullseye project really shapes up in the hands of Emerald.
1: If it was 2015, it was probably a um, cut-off grade that's a bit outdated now as well, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. somewhat. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, th- yeah, they've got plenty of drill results out you can go and see you know ranging between one gram per tonne and up to nine grams per tonne over various sort of interval lengths and stuff but yeah yeah, it's quite exciting and uh, a key component of the deal is all the all the ongoing lawsuits being dropped and there was quite a few of them as well
1: yeah for a price tag (laughs) i think
0: the um the cutoff grades you back then are now the head grades (laughs) (laughs) in this in this market so Uh, right valet boys Vale. This one is
2: super interesting. So Vale split out their business into two. They've got their core iron ore business, and then they've got their various base metals business. And the the base metals business had a valuation of roughly 30 billion US internally. So they've sold 13% of that base metals unit off. 10% has gone to a Saudi Arabian JV. The JV is between Saudi Arabian Mining, which is also known as Marden as well as the uh, the country's sovereign wealth fund. So they bought 10% and the remaining 3% was purchased by this US investment firm called Engine Number 1. So we won't go too much into this because it's quarterly season. There's lots of other things to talk about. But I just find the whole, the, the macro sort of context fascinating. This is like, you know, we've really started to see over the past couple of years, these Middle Eastern sovereign wealth funds starting to invest outside of the traditional, you know, playgrounds of fossil fuel assets which they've built their they've built their countries on really and those sovereign wealth funds are ginormous so the scale into which they could invest in the the mining sector is really large and i'm just fascinated to see how deep they go into that have you looked into the one in denmark i think the the norway one might be the yeah. one you're oh thinking is it of? norway yeah. yeah yeah it has something like something like two or three hundred thousand dollars per capita so per person yeah Because it's only a country of four odd million or something. And I think that was a
1: percentage of all the equities in Europe for a moment. It's insane. All from
0: the the northern gas, oil and gas.
1: Lucky I got you boys here to correct me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But then the argument was when I heard it presented, it's like, why doesn't Australia have one of them with all the uh, natural resources, royalties? Why hasn't there been a sovereign wealth fund developed for Australia?
1: Yeah, that yeah. is that is a whole other debate. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we can talk about the future fund as in the context of sort of being a bit of a, a sovereign wealth fund. So, um, yeah, yeah, and it
2: was set up on on the back of you know inspiration from Norway as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's fascinating, JD. I think this, like you know, Saudi Arabia. Um, I read I read something pretty funny the other day that Mbappe, uh, the 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 footballer rejected being made a billionaire because he didn't want to hang out in Saudi Arabia for a year. Um, so anyway, it just goes to show how in much the, money In the prime of have. his career. You can't <laughs> drink is, there, can you? Uh, yeah, he's
2: one of very few players that have said no. So oh, lots of money into
1: diversifying into um, into footballers and mining now. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Let's
0: get into Silver Lake. Oh, geez, hammered down a bit under 20%. They yeah. were down 18% last time I looked.
2: Yeah, so this mm. is this is an interesting one for a couple of reasons. Firstly, they'd pre-reported the quarterly. So investors had sort of got comfortable that there, you know, there was going to be no surprises. And then the quarterly comes out today, and lo and behold, there are a few surprises. So the top line is record quarterly production. 81.6 thousand ounces for the quarter, but don't let that fool you. I think the trick with this one, like many of them, is to read it in reverse and then you, you know, you're pretty quickly cotton on to what's actually important. So FY23 production was for 261 thousand ounces at an all-in sustaining cost just below two grand to give a bit of context. So here's the kicker. Guidance for the next year will be 220 thousand ounces at a similar all-in sustaining cost going off the the midpoint. Of guidance. Now, this largely comes as a result of Sugar Zone, the the troubled Canadian asset that they have
0: being switched off. Maddie, you had a read <laughs> of this as well. It I, takes
2: it I, takes two or three reads it, to understand
0: it, what they've actually done. It did it did take. Well, I'll read the whole. I'll read the whole thing at the start, and I'll just figure, bear with me. So consistent with Silver Lake's proven margin over short term ounces strategy. Activities at Sugar Zone will pivot to an investment and in drill data acquisition in parallel with an idling of mining and processing activities to facilitate a reset of mining acti- practices and upgrading of site logistics network necessary to support a higher margin
1: and long life operation.
2: So if they were trying to confuse me, they did they're a, a pretty good, it, good
1: job. They're <laughs> putting it in care and maintenance. 100%. We, sh- we should do a... Um a quarterly translation for this one, Matty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're putting it in bloody care and maintenance. So that's uh, yeah.
0: And look, it might be one of those cases. I did see a broker comment, which is true. Might be a one step back, two step forward situation if they do um, do do this. Get get more handle on the ore body, and I think when they're when they're talking about uh, facility facilitate a reset of mining practices. So whether that's sort of bringing up bringing the North American. Uh, mining practices with. in line with what we do in Australia. So yep. whether it's bolt meshing with jumbos, I'm not sure what they mean there. But, look, it might be – no, an it's a kick in the balls for them at the moment. Yeah, and it's but obviously a
2: big shock for the for the market, hence the stocks off 20%. So I think it's important with with all these things, just like we touched on with Patriot, to always assess them first what the expectations were because that's yep. how they trade.
0: Because so just... in that comment below, JD, they also put um, – talking about they're going to move the camp and everything like that. The market is – it's not forgiving. The market no. wants to know how much fucking gold's coming out, what's it going to cost, and, yeah, we don't care where people are sleeping. And, yeah, yeah. So they've looked at the guidance <laughs> and it's being switched off. It's like, right, down 20%. Agreed. It's, so they're ruthless, ruthless people, these investors.
2: <laughs> so looking at what some of the brokers had forecast for next year versus that two hundred and twenty ounces that they've now guided to. Euros had 285, Argonaut had 300 roughly, and Canaccord had also roughly 300,000 ounces. And all of those brokers had slightly lower all-in sustaining costs versus what the guidance has come out at as well. So obviously it would have been hard for a lot of those guys to predict that the company was going to put Sugar Zone yeah. on care and maintenance. And hence you see you know the, the stock dropping quite a bit. And to your point, Maddie, Sugar Zone hasn't performed. So mm. You're dead right. It could be one step back, two steps forward. It could be the right choice in the medium to long term, but in the near term, the company's going to put 35 million bucks into the ground. 28 million of that is exploration, and the remainder is to yep. put in three development drives
0: to really Ex-3 drill this thing. Exploration drives, yeah.
2: Exactly to really yep. just drill the thing out, get a really sound understanding of what's going on, so they can turn it yep. into a profitable production.
0: And I reckon, like, got you got to give credit to companies that think that have the. Put the foot forward and say, no, nah, we're turning this off because it's not making money in its current state. So putting the capital in to explore it better and for potential upside later on. Um yeah, if it's not making money, why keep going? So it's a it's it's a good move if that's the case and they're yeah. gonna understand the ore body better and potentially find further um further. Bits of the ore body that they don't know are there yet.
2: Yeah, so it's a it's a bit of a bitter pill for investors to swallow. But unlike other companies that have had to make such a call, these guys have three hundred and thirty-two million in cash. They don't have to like recapitalize the business or anything. So it could actually present an opportunity for investors out there. You know, everything's got a price and the stocks, you know, when I last looked was off 22%. So that caps the company at 810. Given the cash and gold position, that's an EV of four hundred and eighty million dollars for a company that's going to spit out over two hundred thousand ounces over the next year. So, you know, like we sort of touched on, Sugar Zone might just need that reset and become a, a profitable asset in the future, and it you know could demonstrate management having a bit of a longer term view. So, okay, should we touch on Strandline? We gave them a little mention on their capital raise uh, late last week. Uh, <laughs>
1: Yeah, mate, we could have talked about IGO. We could have talked about Linus. And instead, you, you bloody talk about Mineral Sands. There were way sexier things we could have talked you, about. You you pointed
2: out Strandline. That's why I'm speaking about them. And amongst the 850 announcements today, I think IGO were just a bit too slow. So <laughs> Strandline, we're going to touch on. And we're going to give a, a bit of an overview about what they're actually doing. Because I, I think a lot of people find Mineral Sands kind of confusing. So they raised $30 million bucks late last week at $0.18. Cents, and they last traded at 22 cents. So that clearly indicates that ramp up isn't going perfectly there. So the company first shipped heavy mineral concentrate or HMC in November of last year. And this sort of contains things like zircon, ilmenite, and rutile. They use a wet concentrate plant to produce this HMC. And I mean, one of the key problems that they're having is that this concentrate plant isn't running at nameplate capacity. So they've said it has but not consistently running at nameplate so that's one of the real issues they're having. They're also commissioning the mineral separation plant which uh, is you know it's in the process of ramping up but they decided to produce this HMC in the near term and sell it to to Chinese buyers so that they could get a bit of cash in the door and just help them see them help see them through that ramp up period.
1: You get a high price for the separated product but you've you got to build the plant yeah. Jeez, it's you're
0: much the wiser on mineral sands today, JD. I'm bloody impressed, Cobber. I am, mate. So
2: with all that said, you know, they're going to be producing these things. They've are going to they already started to stockpile the, the ilmenite. They're going to be producing a zircon concentrate, a premium zircon product as well, and lastly, rutile. And the last thing to sort of think about with this mineral sands project is it's a big sort of open pit mining void that's left once they have kind of run through it. So they progressively backfill with sand tailings, just over the life of the project. And it has a long, you know, the initial mine life is, I think, 22 and a half years. That said, the capital raise, things aren't quite going too well. So that's on the back of elevated costs and some delays that they're that they've been having. So the company pointed at lower availability of dozer mining units, the mining plant, and equipment, as well as relating to that tailings disposal. They're having issues. Essentially, what they're putting back in is taking up more volume than anticipated and that just slows the whole operation down. And on top of that, there have been mineral sands projects in the country before that have had, you know, big problems on this matter. So I think it's something that's kind of scaring investors. And hence we've seen the share price steadily fall from fifty odd cents to where they're raising money at. Reminds me of last core week.
1: lithium as well. A, a different commodity obviously, but yep. but it was the volume of their um, the fines that they had to go and take back as is-
2: yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting analogy I hadn't quite th- thought of. There's one other issue that sort of came to the fore. They signalled that their seventh shipment had, um, you know, it had slightly lower volume than the previous shipment. So they've been ramping up getting greater and greater shipments and that was just something, you know, of note to investors. So the company, speaking of expansion, they want to add 15 years of mine life and they've also got this Tanzanian asset which the, the hopes of the company were previously pinned on before – the uh, investment prospects in that country went down the drain you know 5 or so years ago and there's one other thing that's really of note that always stands out and we made a bit of a joke about it in in the videos we uploaded last week the the MD and CEO resigned late last week he he resigned as CEO so he's actually still staying on as managing director and to be fair to them they've done a great job in building the the plant on time and on budget mm-hmm. but you know that's a huge red flag to me when when somebody in the key leadership Steps down as CEO during ramp up. Yeah. So that's my research on Good mineral work, resources. JD, bloody yeah.
1: pat on the back. Caller. I like it. There's like bulks is a um, doing bulk bulk operations. It's all about efficiency, logistics, and everything like that. And um, you're reading this. It's um, it's the volume of what well, they've got to backfill. That, that's an efficiency thing, right? It's absolutely. It's, yeah. Tricky, tricky one. Good work,
0: boys. Right, now nah, one ep- one episode less before diggers. Oh God, I'm bloody excited! <laughs> Thanks as always to the uh, <laughs> friends of the show, our best friends of the show, Anytime Exploration and Terra Capital. Thanks for all the support, guys, and cheers, money miners. let's schedule in a g'day at diggers. Good Can't up. wait to meet you all. Otero.